Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Baseball's not boring. Thank you to everyone who's been leaving nice reviews, rating, reviewing, subscribing, most importantly, listening. Thank you for everybody who's participating. So it's been a good run over just over a month now. So we appreciate everybody who has joined our little family at Baseballs and Boring, getting bigger by the day. Uh, and it's only going to get bigger because news is coming out. Uh, the hot stove is heating up, no, no pun intended. And, and things are just getting more interesting. L- November, a little bit of a lull. A lot of rumors. And then when the rumors lead to actually nothing then you have to sort of like, okay, okay, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. What's going to happen? There's no deadline like the NBA, the NFL, the NHL for trade deadlines. We need something to happen. There's a smattering of stuff, but we need more. We need more. We need more. And we're about to get it. I feel like we're about to get the winter meetings coming up. We'll be there at the winter meetings. Baseball's and boring. I will be there. I will be representing the fine organization. Um, but we're getting a, a little bit of more heat, I guess. I get the most recent item that that is circulating through Major League Baseball. Andy Martino of SNY reporting that the Rays are actually showing interest in Jacob Degrom. All right, well, do we think the Rays are going to get Jacob DeGrom? No, we don't. But it's fun to look at that they're actually showing interest in him, along with the Mets, Yankees, Rangers. So there you go. Carlos Rodon, he's supposed to meet with the, Mage, uh, with the Mets. Another big name starting pitcher. Maybe there's going to be a run on those guys. Speaking of run on those guys, well, we want to find out exactly what's what in terms of the here and the now. Like you said, not a lot has happened, but that doesn't mean the conversation hasn't happened. And the best conversation, honestly, like the best conversation that I've heard in a while was a conversation that I just had with Buster Olney of ESPN. Buster Olney, uh, a longtime national baseball reporter. Always great to talk to. Always enjoy our conversations. So I felt like he was a great guy to get to to sort of chop it up with heading into the winter meetings, where we're at, 
And you're going to want to listen to it because he had some really, really, really interesting stuff when it came to Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge, and how Aaron Judge is going to affect everybody else, the entire market. A lot of good stuff coming up. All right. Well, listen, again, rate, review, listen, subscribe. You know the deal. You know the deal. And we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. I want to thank everybody who's come on uh, recently. Thanks to Brett Phillips, man. That was... That was a good way to start a day. If you ever go, go go back and listen to the Brett Phillips interview Coop and I did with Brett Phillips, that is just simply a great way to start the day. Hit the play button and just sit back and just enjoy the great game of baseball and where it's at right now through the through the eyes of a guy who who loves it probably more than anybody I've ever seen. So uh, that's just a, a small sample of one of the things that you can do for baseballs and boring. Um, if you have ideas, if you have things that you want us to talk about, if you have people that you want us to interview, send them along. At BB isn't boring, Twitter, Instagram, the works. All right, but today it's Buster only. All right, well, baseball isn't boring, and one of the people who have, uh, for many, many years, ha- has made that the case is Buster Olney. Always enjoy my conversations with Buster. A lot of great national writers out there, but there's nobody better than Buster, and, and Buster, there's no better time to-, to catch up with you. I mean, really, that's any time, let's be honest. Like, we had a great conversation. I think it was in July. We had a great conversation um, for another podcast, and, and we- I saw you at the World Series. It-, it was awesome seeing you there. But now we're in the now we're in the thick of it, Buster. Here we go. Here we go. Right? I know. That's exactly right. And once you get into it and, you know, all the dominoes that, that are going to fall and all the pressure points with the, the various teams and, uh, you know, all the big names that are involved, it really is a great, uh, you know, free agent class. And it's why I think, you know, in talking with general managers and talking with agents, they think that in the next two weeks, there's going to be a lot of big moves made. Yeah, that's how I feel, too, that the winter meetings, a lot of times, winter meetings, especially the last few years, or not, I mean, going back three years even, the winter meetings are sort of a dud. They used to have press conferences all over the place, and, and I feel like it might come back to that a little bit. Uh, you t- you said dominoes, and one of the, when Jose Abreu signed, that was the catchphrase, the domino. Uh, when the relievers sign, catchphrase, domino, do you actually feel that there has been the ultimate domino? Uh, or is it just a matter of all these guys are pretty much going to wait till later this week or next week? That's what they're targeting, and then they'll sign. I, I think it just depends on the position, right? Uh, you know, part of the reason why left-handed hitters went off the board first, you know, Anthony Rizzo, the Jack Peterson getting the shocking qualifying offer from the Giants was because the perception was that the, the group of left-handed hitters was as thin as any group that's uh, in the marketplace. And, of course, because of the rule changes for next year, you know, the, the, the perceived value of left-handed hitters has gone up. Uh, this offseason because the, the feeling is is that with the rules uh, against defensive shifts that you're going to see uh, production from left-handed hitters in- increase. So, I, I, you know, and then with the relief market, you're seeing some of the, the bigger names come off the board, you know, teams like the, the Padres, the Astros wanting to retain their own guys. I do think that the biggest overall domino, I guess quite literally, is Aaron Judge at 6'7", 282 pounds, because I think, you know, once uh, he makes his decision, that's going to dictate 
um, you know, what the Yankees are going to do, which might affect what happens with the Red Sox, which might affect what happens with the Phillies. Um, and so I think that the judge decision probably is going to send the biggest ripples around because uh, it's going to go right from judge to the shortstop market and then the shortstop market into other markets as some of these big market teams that we think are in the shortstop market have to make their adjustments. So so along those lines, they say Judge doesn't sign with the Yankees. He, he, is, he is wooed by Steph Curry and the San Francisco Giants or something along those lines, <laughs> right? I mean, like, this is a whole nother. By the way, Buster, we had a great conversation about the, the art of recruiting or is recruiting even worth it? Um, it's But that's, you know, it's... Because, because, and Joe, Joe, our good friend Joe Kelly was on, and he was like, "It's outdated. It's it doesn't matter, so forth and so on." But I still like the Steph Curry calls. I still like that. But I don't want to get off track here. If Je- if Aaron Judge does not sign with the Yankees, what do you think their targets are? Like you talked about the domino effect. What do you think happens? Yeah, and I wrote a piece for FreeSPN.com. I think it's coming out later this week uh, about the perception of agents is that you will see the Yankees already have a built-in plan B, much in the same way that last spring when the Atlanta Braves negotiations with Freddie Freeman fell apart, they pivoted uh, immediately. Mm. (laughs) Within 48 hours, not only did they finish a blockbuster deal for Matt Olson, but they signed him to an eight-year contract. (laughs) And the perception of teams is, is that that's what you'll see the Yankees do, that if they get word that Judge is going to sign elsewhere. And let me tell you, There is a lot of tension within the Yankee organization, and you and I can revisit this if you want, because this is literally the first player I think the Yankees have ever been involved with who actually they need more than the player needs, Mm. than the the team needs the player. It's an unusual situation for them. But if if they don't get judged, the perception is they're going to immediately pivot, and I don't think there's any doubt that that'll be to the shortstop market – and the two guys who might fit the best in the shortstop market for the Yankees, Trey Turner, unbelievable athlete. You know, the perception is he's going to leave the Yankees and or leave the Dodgers in part because he'd prefer to play in the East Coast. Uh, you know, he's a guy as these rules about pickoff throws change. He becomes even more dangerous on the ba- on the bases. Um, you know, he could play shortstop in 2023, and then uh, their top prospect, Anthony Volpe, eventually maybe he ascends into that spot. Maybe Oswald Peraza moves into that spot. Um, but I think that, you know, Turner's going to be super expensive. On the other hand, I think another guy who potentially fits for them is Xander Bogarts mm-hmm. uh, because he's proven in a big market. Uh, he has a guy who's a you know he's a ter- as you know terrific professional hitter. He could hold down the position for one year. He could then move to another spot as Volpe as Peraza graduated into the major leagues at shortstop. And you know he's he, he has checked every box for what they've been veering toward the last few years. More contact. You know, guy who can put the ball in play. Terrific leadership. Great clubhouse guy. So I I think those two guys are probably the best fits because they look at Carlos Correa. He's more of a pure shortstop. I think the Twins are going to pay big money to try to keep him. Dansby Swanson, again, more of a pure shortstop. I think the versatility of Bogarts and Turner make them more attractive for the Yankees. And I think that, uh, you know, Bogarts, because he's going to be less expensive than Turner, it wouldn't shock me if they don't sign Judge. I think he becomes their number one target. Wow. All right. I mean, that's. do you think that that is – 
is that is something that as this has sort of it has evolved like I think that Buster, the consensus was, oh, Judge is going to go back to the Yankees. But now when, when you do have the images of him in the San Francisco airport, it does make you uh, remind you that this is, this is a whole new world. You let a guy get the free agency, it's a whole new world. Do you, do you think that this was the Yankees' plan all along? That this was, or did, did you think that they really, really, really thought that Judge was coming, that they were going to get a deal done with Judge by this time this year? I think they, at heart, uh, they don't know uh, what he's going to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting because they drafted him in 2013. They've seen him, you know, develop through the minor leagues. They've had him in the big leagues. He's a great clubhouse leader. He has tremendous grace. Uh, and as people within the organization have told me, we don't really know what he wants because when they he turned down that 213 million dollar offer in the spring, it wasn't. Uh, no, I, I don't want that offer. Here's the counter offer. It was just no. And, and he immediately <laughs> tabled the talks at that point. And so as the Yankees went through the summertime and they, they got this sense through the arbitration stuff that happened midseason as well, uh, they don't know if he really wants to go back to San Francisco. They don't know if he's looking for the biggest dollar figure because let's face it. Uh, you know, there's a real chance that another team is going to make a bigger offer than the Yankees. They offered him 213 and a half over seven years, which would have made a judge the second highest paid outfielder behind Mike Trout. It was a much higher, actually, an annual uh, average salary than Betts, than Harper, than Stanton. And that wasn't good enough. Uh, which is totally Judge's prerogative, but now he's put himself in a position where he has better leverage. Agents are telling me, you know, based on their history of working with Brian Cashman, they don't think he's going to veer much from his evaluation. They've increased their offer, but it might be that, and I'm pulling a number out of the air, mm. let's say that uh, Hal Steinbrenner nudges that offer to 280 or 260 or maybe it's 300. There is an opportunity there for an inspired owner, an inspired organization like the Giants to come in and put 360 on the board and then we're going to find out what Aaron Judge wants. Does he want the money? Does he want to go back home? Uh, does he want to be the next Derek Jeter and be the captain of the Yankees? Which is why I think there's real doubt and real tension within the Yankees organization about how this is going to play out. Um, you know, look, what you said, the, the general feeling that Judge is going to go back, that, that view is shared by a lot of executives with other teams, I think within the Yankees organization. There's uh, there's more doubt and there's less knowledge uh, about what he really wants. You talk about you know the teams you know like the Giants who who are, are feeling pretty good about spending money and feeling pretty good about making some moves. It feels like and there's always a team that's out there that it's sort of going to drive the bus or one or two. It feels like there's a lot of teams like that and and in different ways too, Buster. I mean, you look at the Dodgers, right? All right. They'll pay the money, but it's going to be shorter-term deal. But still, they, they can do that, and they can get a big-name player. You look at the Padres. When the Padres, when you hear the Padres are in on, you know, Jose Abreu and, and Xander Bogarts, you're like, what? Well, it's the Padres. That's how they've been for the last few years. Seattle's making all these moves. The Blue Jays need an outfielder. The Yankees are sitting there. All the things that you said, the Red Sox have this a ton of money, and we don't know if, how they're going to spend it or if they're going to spend it. It's, it seems like there's, it, this is the ultimate opportunity for a lot of free agents to make some money 
There's no doubt about it. You know, the Dodgers, um, you know, with their flexibility, with the, how strong their, their organization and their, is, their franchise is, you know, they can signal, as they already have it, yeah, we could be on Aaron Judge. I personally think they're just trying to push the Giants and the <laughs> Yankees, but they can do that. I do think Verlander, if I'm sitting here today and I'm handicapping it, I think that's where Verlander yep. uh, winds up going. Uh, much in the same way that they gave uh, Trevor Bauer a short-term deal where they're paying a lot of money, I think that's what they're going to do with Verlander. Uh, you're right about the Padres. Their owner, Peter Seidler, has become – you know, the modern day Mike Illich, where he's not worried about how much profitability his franchise has. He's just trying to win a championship, which meant that they went out and traded for Juan Soto. They signed Manny Machado. You know, they're making a lot of moves. They, they re-signed Joe Musgrove. They're doing a lot of things the Phillies used to, uh, excuse me, the Padres used to never think about doing. The Phillies are going to be aggressive. The Braves have the ability to be aggressive. The Rangers have the ability to be aggressive. Um, uh, Toronto is in its window to try to win. They desperately need a left-handed hitter. If they, uh, you know, didn't wind up with either Benintendi or Nimmo, uh, I would be surprised. Mm, mm. I could see them going out spending heavy on a left-handed hitter. So yeah, there's a lot of competition for a lot of these free agents. Um, you know, if you're the, and let's face it, where the fact that we're in the first year of a of a five-year labor deal also adds to the cost certainty for a lot of these teams, and they might be more aggressive this winter. You know, I tweeted out yesterday about, it really was stemming off the Abreu thing, because it sort of drove me nuts, Buster. It drove me nuts when I hear the, oh, well, of course you aren't going to do that deal. Well, I get that. I, I understand that. And obviously, a lot of these people, it was coming from, I'm talking about the Abreu, three years at $60 million. It was coming from the Red Sox. The I know the Guardians were interested. But well, that's fine. I mean, that's your prerogative. And if you, the, the, the rule of thumb is that don't do a deal if it prevents you from doing another deal. But some of these teams, they can do a lot of deals and they can spend a lot of money. My point is, and I think that you agree with this, is that, Let's stop let's stop pretending like you can try to build a team in free agency and get players on your terms. For the I'm talking about the elite players, the big name players, the players that are foundational players. This stop pretending that you're gonna set this is what this guy is worth and we're not going over it. You're always gonna have to go over it. And that's the thing that drives me nuts. I mean, I, do you think do you think teams like under the majority of teams understand that, or do you think the story new wave of GMs are setting things saying, Hey, we're not going over that? Uh, I think it's just a mix depending upon the player, but I think generally speaking that a lot of these teams have to uh, be at peace with the idea that if they want to if they want to sign an elite player to a long term deal, they're going to have to freaking pay. Yeah. And I I don't feel like the Red Sox have 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 uh, either gotten done at peace with that or figured that out because the idea that you're going to go kind of bargain shopping. You know, at the top of the, the food chain when it comes to players, that's just not going to happen. And, and, you know, if I were to have a conversation with a, a you know, a head of baseball operations with that mentality, I'd point him back to what, uh, you know, Branch Rickey, Buzzy Bavese with the Dodgers used to say back in the 50s, which was, I don't mind uh, overpaying a, a star level player. I do over mind. I do mind overpaying a you know a mediocre guy. Mm-hmm. So you can't go and sort of try to nickel and dime, <laughs> you know, and shave around the edge on a Raphael Devers, a Xander Bogarts, and Mookie Betts. If you want that type of player, 
you better bring your checkbook. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're not. And here's the other thing too is that. Uh, and I do think this is becoming a factor because all the players are talking about, guess what? They have options. <laughs> like Xander Bogarts probably has, you know, the, the, the Dodgers involved. He probably has the Padres involved. I mentioned the Yankees. I do think if Judge leaves, he, he could potentially be their number one target. He's going to have options. And as these players leave the Red Sox and the conversation, uh, you know, continues to go in this cycle – of uh, you know, the fact that you know they're they're regressing, they're they're not paying their top guys. Why would they get Bogarts that one year extension offer in the spring? I think the narrative really begins to to be established among the elite guys. And guess what? Those guys have other teams they can go yeah. to. Yeah. So somehow, some way, and you and I, when we talked back, you know, what was it, August or right. or, or July? Yeah. We talked about how. They're going to have to pay at some point uh, a Mookie Betts tax, uh, you know, a Xander Bogarts tax, a Raphael Devers tax. Every one of these guys that they don't hang on to is going to feed this perception, not only among, you know, media knuckleheads like you and me, but among players. And that becomes costly, I think, to the organization. They somehow have to reverse the cycle, and there's only one way to do it, and that's to jump in there and win one of these bidding wars. Yeah, and 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 you know, you the guy who it's what's fascinating to me is the guy who used to be in Boston, which is Dave Dombrowski, who is the epitome of this, right? I mean, we we have plenty of examples of hey, he sees a guy, oh, you know what? I'm going to pay more. And going back to David Price. David Price, $217 million. You know, by some accounts, $40 million more than the next team. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, a year ago, well, doubles up the Red Sox offer. And so so this is a guy who sort of, to your point, and I love that quote from Brent Tricky. Like it's, it speaks so much to what you're talking about, about the, the, the premier players. You're just going to have to pay more. And, and you know what? If you're not going to build a team that way, then you trade. And maybe they will. Maybe these teams will trade. But when you say, this is the problem, I'm going to make this Boston-centric for a second, but when you say that Xander Bogarts is your plan A, which I thought right now was an enormous misstep, when you say that he's your plan A, then he has to be your plan A. He has to be basically the guy that you're going to do exactly what you're doing, which is, what is your best offer, and we're going to make it better. That's it. Yep. No, I, I agree. I personally would do that with Devers. I would do what I t- it would t- took just because you're talking about a player is what four years younger. Uh, to me, that's the guy that you go to and say, "What's it going to take?" and and just get it done. And you're not going to be comfortable with that. You know, I love and this is not uh, you know that what Billy Bean told me years ago uh, about making trades. I thought was really instructive. You know, he. When, when the other teams would call about, a, you know, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, you know, the, the elite guys on his roster, what he would say to the other GM is, you know what, uh, y- you can keep, you know, prospect A if you want, but the trade's going to hurt after that. Mm. It has to, yeah. right? And so when you're talking about signing an elite free agent, guess what? If you sign a Rafael Devers, it's going to hurt. Yeah, because uh, his value seems to be going up, you know, day by day by day. I had this conversation with a, you know, a, a front office person recently, and we agreed that the guy right now has got more leverage than any other player in baseball is Aaron Judge because of the year that he had, because of the situation the Yankees are in, you know, the fans clamoring, 
And we also both agreed that the player with the second most amount of leverage in baseball right now is Raphael Devers. Yeah, you know, in, in, in both cases, you look at it and, and you hear, oh, well, they're this far apart or this, they're, they're that far apart. There's no, no more of that. Like if if I if I'm Rafael Devers and I'm off and I'm asking for ten years three hundred, which by the way is a Machado contract, so why not? And and so if I'm asking for that and they say no, okay, we'll come up to two twenty. Okay, we'll come up to two forty. He should just be sitting there saying no, no, I'm not moving. You don't understand. Same thing with Judge. I'm not yep. moving. There's no reason for these guys to move off of what they're doing. They have all the leverage in the world. And, and, and that's the price of – it comes back to what you're saying. That's the price of doing business when it comes to free agency. I mean, I think this is – it's going to be awesome, man. It's, it's going to be crazy because they're, you just rattled off all the teams. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the Rangers because the Rangers are specifically looking for rotation, top of the rotation help. They are specific, and, and agents know that. So they're like, okay, I got a top of the rotation guy. I'm going to the Rangers. That's what we heard about DeGrom, right? DeGrom is interested in going to the Rangers. Yeah. You know why? Because they'll pay. So, yeah. Yeah, and I agree with your friend Joe Kelly. Uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I, I got a note from a friend, uh, you know, after Anthony Rizzo signed, and, and uh, you know, he said, so this helps their chances for the Yankees re-signing Judge. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it, and I don't mean this at all. This is a criticism of Aaron Judge. He's put himself in a great position. He can listen to all these offers. He's going to get a huge number, and he can choose wherever he wants to choose. It's totally his prerogative. But ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it comes down to yeah, money, yeah, uh, and that's uh, you know that, that's uh, that's where we are. And so you know the recruiting, you know the the wooing, the the flowers to the you know to the wife to the sweetheart, they don't make a difference. It yeah. feels like they just do that now because everyone is in the habit of doing. It. Yeah, and go back and listen to Joe. Joe's brought up Shashevsky and you know and Nick Saban, and he's like, this isn't this isn't college. This is, this is, these are guys who are making a lot, a lot of money, but it's uh, it's going to be great. And uh, and Buster, uh, thanks so much, man. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, and I look forward to talking. I look forward to reading you all your stories, including the one that you just mentioned coming out pretty soon here. So thanks so much, Buster. Yeah, I appreciate it, Rob. Good to talk with you as always. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Choose stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.